Empire. Welcome to Inside the Cap. I'm your host, Joel Corey. You can find me on Twitter at Corey Joel. That is C-O-R-R-Y-J-O-E-L. Also, you can read my regular column, Agent's Take, at CBSSports.com. This time, we're going to look at two things. One, the salary cap financial implications of the Carson Wentz trade to the Indianapolis Colts, and also a preview of franchise tags. Yesterday, on Thursday, February 18th, the Indianapolis Colts and Philadelphia Eagles agreed to a trade which will be formally executed on March 17th when the new league year starts, the 2021 league year. Um, Trades can't be formally executed or become official until the trading period opens at that point in time. The Indianapolis Colts will be receiving Eagles quarterback Carson Wentz, and the Philadelphia Eagles will be getting a 2021 third-round pick and a conditional 2022 second-round pick. The 2022 second-round pick can become a first-round pick if Carson Wentz plays at least 75% of the offensive plays for the Colts in 2021 or 70% and the Colts make the playoffs. So basically, if he stays healthy, it doesn't matter how he plays. But if he's healthy for majority of the season, then that's going to be a 2021 pick. A key thing for Indianapolis is they didn't give up a first or second round pick this year, kept those two picks. And if Carson Wentz can return to his form before he regressed uh, tremendously um, in the 2020 season, then that pick is probably going to be a late first-round pick because that means the Colts go back to the playoffs like they did this year with an aging Phillip Rivers. And that means that um, Wentz looks more like a legitimate starting quarterback. The reason that the Eagles are only getting a third-round pick this year with the potential for a first is he's a distressed asset because of a huge regression. Um is Wentz going to return that 2017 MVP form when he was probably going to win the MVP before he uh, tore his ACL and a couple other lig- ligaments late in the season against the Rams? Probably not. Is he as bad as he was in 2020? Hopefully not. So really 2018-19 is probably going to be a, get, be a gauge for what Wentz actually is for Indianapolis. Now, um, what does that do for Philadelphia cap-wise? No. I was always skeptical that Philadelphia was going to trade Wentz because I didn't see any way possible that that Philadelphia would take on the type of dead money they are for Carson Wentz. His cap number um, right now, prior to the trade, 2021 is $34,673,536. Now, the dead money, because primarily because of a $30 million option bonus that they paid out um, last in 2020 um, that exercised an option um, for the last year of his contract and is prorated means that they between that and the signing bonus in the deal a whopping $33,820,611 in dead money now 
prior to this in a league year, and I know Jared Goff is going to have $22.2 million in dead money when that trade goes through with the uh, Rams and the Lions. But prior to that, the individual record for a dead money charge, individual cap charge in dead money, was Brandon Cooks for the Rams this league year, 2020, of $21.8 million. So the more than $33.8 million in dead money is... 55% more. So that's why I didn't think the trade was happening. I thought when Doug Peterson was fired, it was an either-or. Wentz stays, Peterson goes, but obviously that's not happening. Now, the um, Eagles are going to pick up $852,925 in cap space for this year. But more importantly, they wipe Carson Wentz off the books after this year. Wentz's 2022 cap number scheduled to be $31,274,536. In 2023, it was scheduled to be $34,273,539. In 2024, he had a $32 million cap number. So they're free and clear. No cap charges for Carson Wentz after 2021. They are wiping out a total of $97,548,075 in cap charges over the next three seasons after the, after the 2021 season. So they wipe them off the books free and clear. Salary-wise, they're getting rid of $98.4 million in salary. And more importantly, if he'd stuck around, not only is his 2021 base salary of $25.4 million fully guaranteed, but on the third day of the league year, $15 million of an already injury-guaranteed $22 million base salary becomes fully guaranteed. So they're getting out of also money, $98.4 million, They don't have to pay. Now, the thing is, they did the extension at the earliest possible instance they could with Carson Wentz after his uh, third playing season. So they're actually paying him $29.6 million more than if he played out his rookie contract. So kind of an expensive endeavor from that standpoint uh, relative to what it could have been. Um, they probably wouldn't have let him play out the rookie contract if they'd waited a year timing-wise and done the extension heading into the 2020 season, we wouldn't be making a trade right now. They'd be stuck with them. But had they played it out, they would have walked away free and clear. He would have been um, unrestricted uh, after playing out five years of the the rookie contract with no cap charges. But they wouldn't be getting any picks in return had they done that. Now, on the Indianapolis side, right now, according to NFLPA data, the uh, Colts have $53.03 million of cap of cap room. Now, they're going to absorb Carson Wentz's $25.4 million salary for this year. So, um, the top 51 cap numbers count during the offseason for, for, for cap purposes, for accounting purposes. So, that means someone is coming out of the top 51 as Wentz comes in. So, when you do that, and it's a guy who's making $660,000, you can pick one of the several guys who are at that rate for the Colts, knock him out. That's going to leave the Colts with um, basically $28.29 million in cap space. Now, they're taking on those salaries, but the thing is, it's really, if everything goes wrong, it's a two-year commitment because the 2022 year is fully guaranteed. It becomes $15 million of it becomes fully guaranteed on the third day of the league year. So over those two years, Wentz is scheduled to make $47.2 million. And then... Um, they could walk away uh, from the deal. If Wentz is more like he is in 2020, 
than he was in 2018 or 19, they can walk away in uh, 2022 um, after paying him $47 million, um, for two years. Uh, $47.4 million for two years. He's under contract, as I said before, uh, for uh, $98.4 million over the four years. Uh, so that that's really a two-year commitment that the uh, Colts are making um, for Carson Wentz. Now, one thing that I'll be curious to see if they do, because he takes up nearly half of the cap space that they have, is since there's no proration in acquiring him in a trade, um, would they consider converting his $10 million third day of the league year roster bonus? It was already fully guaranteed. Um and a signing bonus. Now, if they did that, that means that the $10 million gets prorated $2.5 million on the cap 2021, 2022, 2023, and 2024. So they could create $7.5 million of cap space. So if Wentz doesn't work out and they exit after two years, instead of having zero dead money or residual cap charges, they'd have $5 million if they did that. So... Um, I'd keep an eye on that. Um, that's really the uh, skinny on the um, Carson Wentz salary cap implications trade. Now we'll see what Indianapolis does for a left tackle since Anthony Costanzo is headed to retirement. Each year, beginning on the 22nd day before the start of the upcoming league year and running through eight days prior to the start of the league year, teams have the right to put either a franchise or transition tag on one player who is going to be an impending free agent. Um, So this 15-day period for this year starts on Tuesday, uh, February 23rd, and runs to March 9th. It ends 4 p.m. Eastern time on March 9th. That's the last day you can designate someone. In 2020, we had 14 players get franchise tags. One person, um, Kenyon Drake, get a transition tag. Now, that's 15 designations. That is the most you had in any any year since uh, there is a record 21 designations placed on players in 2012, and that's because the change in calculation in how the franchise and transition tags were were, uh, were generated occurred beginning that year. The, the 2011 CBA created a change. Now, the salary cap uh, yesterday, the floor was raised from 175, 175 million to 180 million, and there's an expectation or anticipation the cap could go higher. Some people think it could be as high as $185 million. Now, the one game changer would be if the new TV deals get done, then that means these projections will probably go out the window. Now, why is that significant? Because of the way that you calculate the non-exclusive franchise tags. you got two types of franchise tags, the non-exclusive and the exclusive. Most players outside of quarterbacks get the non-exclusive. Now, the non-exclusive tag allows the team allows a player to shop himself to other teams. He can solicit offer sheets. And if an offer sheet is not signed, is, is signed and isn't matched, then the team which placed the designation on him or the tag gets two first-round picks. With, with the transition tag, you have the right to shop yourself. There is no compensation on the unmatched offer sheet just to write a first refusal. With the exclusive franchise tag, you can't shop yourself. You're, you're negotiating exclusively 
with the team which gave you the tag, your former team. Now, the cap going up from 175 to 180 is significant because how the non-exclusive tenders in the, tran- in the transition tenders are calculated. Now, in 2011, the CBA changed how they were calculated. Prior to that, it was very simple. It was the average of top five salaries of players' position for the friends franchise tag and then averages the top 10 salaries to players' position in the previous year for the transition tag. And by salaries, it means cap number. That For these purposes, it means the prorated portion of signing bonus and a player's salary um, minus workout bonuses and most other performance bonuses. 2012, that old change. Now it's what's called a cap percentage average. You take, I'm just going to get a little wonky and get in the weeds here a little bit because it's kind of complicated um, how they how they do the formula. That you take what is, how you calculated the franchise tags under this old methodology, you do that for five years, the previous five years. Look back to, pre, look back to the previous five years. So when we're talking for this year, you're looking at 2016, 17, 18, 19, and 20 in a position. Those five five figures in a position. And then you add those together, and you're going to divide those by what the salary cap, the sum of the salary cap for the previous five years, 2016 through 20. And then you are going to multiply whatever number that is by the salary cap for the current year, for the upcoming year. So whether it's 175, 180, 185, that's significant because the higher the cap goes, the higher these numbers are going to be. Now, the exclusive tag, different different computation. That is going to be the average of the, it's going to be the average of high, the five highest salaries at the end of the restricted free agent signing period, um, which will be April 23rd for this year. Um, so that looks forward and is more like the, uh, other uh, the original methodology. There's one other caveat. It's this cap. It's this cap percentage average thing, or 120% of the player of the player's salary in the prior year. So it's the greater of those two. So for guys who've been franchise tagged last year, the 120% provision is going to apply as opposed to this cap percentage average thing. Now, um, let's look at what these numbers project to be um, and relative to where they were last year. We're just going to look strictly at the franchise tag numbers because the transition tag is seldom used, um, only happens occasionally. Now, for cornerback, it's going to be 8.252% of the cap. At $180 million, we're talking $14.54 million is projection, $185 million, $15.266 million. The number in 2020 was 16.338 million. All these are going to go down. Um, collectively, they're going to go down between 8 and 9 percent, depending upon where the cap settles, 180, 185. So you're going to see an across-the-board decrease. Defensive end is going to be 8.805 percent of the cap. That translates to 15.49 million at 180 million. And 16.289 million at 185 million. The 2020 number, 17.788 million. Defensive tackle, 7.61% of the cap. That's 13.697 at 180 million, 14.08 at 
14.078 million, $185 million cap. 16.126 million was a defensive tackle number in 2020. Linebacker. And linebacker typically goes to people rest the passer. I don't know why there's distinction between defensive ends and linebackers are both edge rushers do the same thing, but um, your position is determined by where you took the most snaps in the prior year. So if you're going to see any type of grievances filed, it's typically over whether a linebacker is a defensive end because he his function defensively is pretty much the same as a defensive end. They're both edge rushers. Now, linebacker, 8.105% of the cap, 180 million, 14.589 million, 185 million, 14.994 million, it was 15.828 million was the last franchise linebacker franchise tag. Offensive line, it gets lumped together. Guard centers tackles, even though for the most part it pretty much goes just to tackles. That number is 7.536% of the cap. 13.565 million will be the number at 180 million. 13.942 million at 185 million. It was 14.781 in 2020. Kicker and punter, same tag number, 2.456 million. 2.456% of the cap. That'll be 4.421 million at $180 million salary cap from 2021. And 4.543 million if the cap's $185 million. The number currently, 5.019 million. Quarterback will take up 13.755% of the cap. 24.76 million will be the quarterback number at 180 million. At 185 million, 25.447 million. So if the cap is at 180 million, the floor, it'll be less than what the transition tag number for 2020 was for quarterbacks, which is 24.837 million. The 2020 franchise tag, non-exclusive number, 26.824 million. Running back keeps going down each year. Um, gonna happen again. Would happen anyway if the cap even stayed at 198.2 million. It was gonna go down. 4.473 million. 4.4 percent of the cap. That means the number at 180 million is 8.537 million. At 185 million. 8.774 million. Derrick Henry's tag was 10.278 million. Safety, 5.815% of the cap. Projects to 10.467 million at 180 million. At 185, projects to 10.757 million. 2020 number, 11.441 million. Tight end, 5.261% of the cap. 180 million, that's 9.469 million. At 185 million, it'll be 9.732 million. Uh, Hunter Henry's tag, 10.607 million in 2020. Wide receiver, 8.758% of the cap. That projects to 15.764 million at 180 million and 16.202 million at 185 million. The wide receiver tag for 2020, 17.865 million. Now, um, who are some of the candidates who are most likely to get tagged? Well, obviously, the first one that comes to mind is Dak Prescott. 
Cowboys have already said that if they can't work out a long-term deal before the end of the designation period on March 9th, they will put a second franchise tag on them. They stuck the exclusive tag on them in 2021. So that um, tag was $31.409 million. A second tag at 120% increase is going to be $37,690,800. So Kirk Cousins played on two straight tags, then bolted in free agency to the uh, Minnesota Vikings in 2018. Uh, So we'll see if Dak Prescott can get a deal done because a third franchise tag is extremely cost prohibitive. He'll be free if he plays on a second tag. Because the third tag is a 144% increase. A third tag for players is either the greater of a 144% increase or the biggest numbered in position quarterback. So for everybody else, a third tag is the quarterback number. For Prescott, that would be $54,274,752 in 2022 to tag him for a third time. Now, right now, the Cowboys don't have enough space. The cap is $180 million to uh, put a tag on it, but they'll create the space if necessary. They, they have basically $17.36 million in cap space if the cap is $180 million. But uh, if they got a deal done, his cap number in the first year, the deal would be significantly less than what the tag number would be. Now, What's up? It's Mike Jones from the Football Jones Podcast. I know you're enjoying your time with Inside the Cap, but once you're done, I want to invite you to come over and check out my podcast. Each week, we take a deep dive into some of the most pressing topics around the NFL, high-profile guests from the coach, player, and front office ranks, as well as the top league insiders. Check out the Football Jones Podcast, another fine product brought to you by Empire Media. Tampa Bay's got a dilemma. First, they don't have enough cap space right now to tag anybody. They've got about, when they have their top 51 filled out, about $13.1 million of space. They got two choices. Um, Shaquille Barrett was tagged last year, $15.828 million tag as a linebacker, even though he filed a grievance, which has been unresolved as of to date, on whether he's a defensive end or a linebacker. If they get that resolved in time, that's going to affect the number. <laughs> because if, it, if he won that grievance, you're talking... <laughs> A tag of $17.788 million, and you talk a 20% increase of that, that's $21,345,600. As it stands right now, at the linebacker number, his second tag would be $18,993,600, or Chris Godwin, wide receiver, um, could get the tag $15.764 million. Now, they have more wide receivers than they do people in rush the passer in Tampa. Uh, Godwin may be better at what he does than Barrett is at what he does. Maybe a better receiver than Barrett is a pass rusher. But um, you got Mike Evans as your number one. You got Scotty Miller and Tyler Johnson under contract. You could re-sign Antonio Brown, who won't be making the type of money he used to make before he imploded and became radioactive to a lot of teams. So he could be a much cheaper second receiver because I expect Chris Godwin to be looking to at least get Keenan Allen money. And Keenan Allen re-upped with the Chargers right before the regular season started on a four-year extension averaging $20.025 million per year. Now, Barrett led the league in sacks in 2019, uh, 19 and a half. Didn't do that 
or come close to it in 2020. Kind of reminds me of what Demarcus Lawrence did the first time he was franchised versus the second time. Didn't duplicate sack total. But in terms of quarterback pressures, he was pretty similar. 82 and 19. And by pressures, I mean combined sacks, quarterback hurries, and hits. And then he had 77 in 2020, which was second in the NFL behind Aaron Donald in terms of pressures. Added four sacks in the playoffs with 21 pressures. So he's not a one-year wonder. I got to think that he's thinking DeMarcus Lawrence money at a minimum. $21 million per year on a long-term deal, if not more. Personally, I'd be asking for $25 million per year um, on a long-term deal. So one of those guys is probably hitting the open market, if not both. Um, Detroit uh, is going to lose cap space with the Jared Goff trade. They're going to lose $14.5 million of cap space versus where they were just having Matthew Stafford on the roster. Right now, they have about $5.76 million of cap space to accommodate Kenny Dolliday. Also, same number as Chris Godwin. Same price point, $20 million per year range to sign him. Um, We'll see if they're going to uh, go complete rebuild, getting Jared Goff in return. Instead of having to draft a quarterback, suggests to me that they're not going to be good, but maybe they want to try to uh, win more games now sooner rather than later. GM um, and head coach Dan Campbell, Brad Holmes, the five- and six-year contracts have long-term security. Um, Allen Robinson's an interesting one. Bears are about $6.5 million over the cap right now. It's $180 million. Things got contentious when they tried to extend him. Um, there have been talks about a sign and trade, tag and trade. Uh, he's been more conciliatory now about returning. His number's higher than Godwin's and Galladay's. He's under the 120% provision because his cap number, 14.9, be based off his $14.9 million base salary in 2021. So his cap number would be $17.88 million. Um, Baltimore um, almost has enough cap space for to tag Matthew Judon a second time. They have $18.77 million of cap space. He had a compromise tag between the linebacker and defensive end number, $16.808 million. So his would be $20,169,600 to tag him again. He's an option or, or Yannick Ngakwe, who frankly didn't play a whole lot in the playoffs. His playtime was like 35-40% in the playoffs for the Ravens. He got the defensive intact from Jacksonville, chopped his salary down to $12 million, didn't get a clause where you couldn't stick another tag on him, like uh, Jadavion Clowney did when he was traded from uh, the Texans to the Seahawks the year before. So his is the formula number um, at defensive end. It'll be $15.849 million, but since they were kind of phasing him out in the playoffs... I can't see him getting the tag, so it would be Judon or nobody, most likely. Denver has $31.2 million in cap space, so Justin Simmons is probably headed to a second franchise tag. His was $11.441 million um, this year, 2020. Second tag, 20% increase, $13,729,200. I expect Justin Simmons to try to become the first $15 million per year safety. If they tag him and he waits and Jamal Adams gets something done with Seattle, uh, Jamal Adams is going to try to argue that he's not just a safety and just blow up the whole safety paradigm. So that could benefit Simmons by waiting. Leonard Williams put it all together this year. 
finally lived up to potential being the sixth overall pick years ago. They tagged him last year, $16.126 million. Second tag, $19,351,200. sacks. This guy is going to be looking for DeForest Buckner, Chris Jones-type money, $20-21 million per year, $60 million in guarantees, and like a four-year deal. So Giants don't have cap space, have less than $750,000 of cap space right now. Can create it, depending upon what happens with Nate Solder and also Golden Tate could be gone. It's going to cost a pretty penny to keep uh, Leonard Williams in a Giants uniform. Uh, Brandon Surfer, the Washington football team, was tagged as a guard, which rarely happens. Um, 2020, 15.03 million was his tag number. Second tag, 18.036 million. The Washington football team has a cap space to put a second tag on him. They've got 38 and a half million dollars of cap space, so they could accommodate that um, if they wanted to. The problem with that is once you stick a second tag on him, he's going to be thinking that's a starting point for negotiations. No matter what, he's going to be on a long-term deal if you can keep him there. <laughs> Uh, the first $15 million per year off interior offensive lineman. And it's going to take, I would imagine, significantly more than $15 million. Somewhere between that 15 and 18 Average of those two tags is like 16 and a half, so maybe it ends up there. Um, Carolina has the space after cutting Kawan Short to put a tag on Taylor Moten. Um, they have 19.6 million of cap space. Taylor Moten's... Uh, Tag would be 13.565 million, so they they could do that. Um, I got to think that he's looking at a minimum of uh, Trent Brown money, 16.5 million dollar average. Um, Joe Thune, I doubt that New England put a second tag on him for 17 million uh, 737 thousand 200 dollars, even though they have basically 62.4 million dollars of cap space. Anthony Harris, second tag for him for the Vikings for the same number as Justin Simmons. Probably isn't happening. They're about $9 million over the cap. Hunter Henry, they couldn't get a deal done of him with the Chargers. Austin Hooper was the benchmark signing free agency, $10.5 million per year, $23 million in guarantees. Second tag would be $12,728,400. I can't see them getting a deal done for less than $12 million given that the market increased with Travis Kelsey and George Kittle, he's probably hitting the open market. The Jets have enough room to easily, comfortably tag Marcus May. They have $67.7 million in cap space, $10.467 million would be his tag number. That's a $14, $15 million per year per deal long term. The Bengals have thirty-seven point. $35 million of space, so they could tag Carl Lawson if they wanted to. That would be $15.849 million. He had 64 quarterback pressures, which were six in the NFL. Um, I got to think that that may be something they'll do and then maybe let him play it out and go from there. Arizona could put a tag on Hassan Reddick, who kind of came out of nowhere after Chandler Jones got hurt. They moved him to being an edge rusher. Um, he had 12 and a half sacks. They didn't pick up the fifth-year option, which would have been 10.089 million for him. His tag number would be 14.589 million. They've got 15.5 million in cap space. And then Aaron Jones, if Green Bay, who's 20 million over the cap, could clear enough room, his franchise tag number is 8.537 million, 
Or they could stick a transition tag on them and then match any offer if they got one from someone else. Someone put one on them, an offer sheet, $7.188 million. Um, they supposedly offered them top five running back money, which would be at a minimum $12 million per year. So those are the tag candidates, and those are the numbers. If you're going to be uh, looking at the franchise tags, which the deadline is March 9th, 4 p.m. Eastern time. Hey there, it's John Kime of the John Kime Report podcast. I'm glad you're enjoying the Inside the Cap podcast with Joel Corey. When you're done, I invite you to listen to my podcast. Twice a week, my guests and I discuss the Washington football team and the NFL. The show features numerous NFL insiders, former and current players and executives, and taps into the insight gained in my 25-plus years covering this franchise. Check out the John Kime Report, another fine product offered by Empire Media. Well, that's going to wrap it up for this week's edition of Inside the Cap. Thanks for listening. Don't forget, you can find me on Twitter at Corey Joel. That is C-O-R-R-Y-J-O-E-L. And also check out my Agents Take column for CBSSports.com. We'll see you back here next time. Goodbye.